Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is a Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 185. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he's got the best voiceover guy in the world if I do say so myself, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here. Thank you so much for joining me in session 185 here today. I'm really excited because we're talking with a previous guest who has gone a completely different route with his business and his focus. And I'm really excited to bring him back to the show because I'm using his brand new tool every single day. This is Nathan Berry, who was originally shared in episode 75, where he talked about how he was making six figures a year by self-publishing eBooks. And uh, for those of you who sort of remember that, he talked a lot about uh, the pricing strategies and the three-tiered strategies that, he's, that he used to sell those books and do really well with them, actually. And if you go back to session 75, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 75, you can hear those strategies. Everything in that episode completely still applies today. But for certain reasons that are mentioned in this episode, Nathan has uh, kind of put that aside for a little bit to work completely on a tool called ConvertKit, which is a brand new, fairly new, email service provider out there that uh, I knew about but kind of didn't really didn't really know about until I started to explore more email service providers because for those of you who might remember on the blog last week I published a post called why I switched from Aweber to Infusionsoft to ConvertKit and I talk about the struggles I had with each of those previous platforms and what I found in ConvertKit and I wanted to bring Nathan on the show on the show today to talk a little bit about ConvertKit and why he created it and why he went this totally different route in its business, but also talk about what it's been like to go this different route and go the, the software development route. And he talks a lot about the struggles moving forward and what he has to look forward to and all, the, all, all those sorts of things. We talk a little bit about email marketing as well, though we've talked a lot about it this month on SPI already, and all the relevant links related to ConvertKit and email service providers and email strategies will be linked to in the show notes as well. But again, I'm really excited to bring Nathan back on and here we go. We're just gonna talk and talk about his new uh, business and everything that's been going on. So here's Nathan Berry from nathanberry.com and of course, ConvertKit, here we go. Nathan Berry, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, buddy? 
I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. You are doing well. You've done a lot of things since we've last had you and hosted you here on episode uh, 75 back in, in, in 75. And back then you were selling digital books. You were making six figures doing so and, uh, you know, self-publishing them and selling them off of your website using Gumroad. And um, you gave us a lot of great strategies for the breakdowns of the pricing structures for all those things. But c- give us an idea of what has happened since then. Yeah, so since that episode, I took the self-publishing and the books and courses and the audience much further. Um, you know, just probably doubled the revenue, I think, since uh, since that episode. And then gradually phased it out where I, I decided I wanted to go back to building software. And I just saw a huge need for people like me with, you know, the email tools available. And I was using MailChimp at the time and I was looking to you know, make a switch maybe to Infusionsoft or something. And uh, I just didn't like any of the options available. None of them felt, felt like they were built for me as, as a professional blogger. So mm-hmm. the switch that I made was I stopped working on the books and courses and, and I went and built a software company. So <laughs> ConvertKit is email marketing for professional bloggers and uh, we compete head-to-head with uh, MailChimp, AWeber, and Infusionsoft. What made you feel like you could even do that? Because those are the big names, the big players. I've used AWeber, and then I switched to Infusionsoft, and now I'm on ConvertKit. And I have a post that I wrote earlier this month about all that stuff, and I'll link to it in the show notes here. But what this is such a huge undertaking. I mean, an entire email service provider in the way that you'd want it to be, which is great, and you obviously have a lot of skill with UX and UI, user experience and user interface, which is kind of your forte and where you helped out people in the software space earlier. That's what your books were about, but here you are actually building something for you and everybody else out there. What, what made you feel like this is something you could even start doing? I mean, that's such a huge undertaking. Yeah, so there are a couple things. Uh, one is that my background is in building software, so it's not like... You know, I went from being purely a writer to, you know, let's see how this programming things thing works. You know, mm-hmm. I've worked as you know as a designer at a bunch of startups, and have worked on some really large scale problems and 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 worked with large development teams. So on that side, I knew that it could be done. And there's lots of great infrastructure, and you know, with everything provided by Amazon and and. Uh, you know, all these development tools makes building software easier now than ever before. Mm-hmm. On the marketing side of things, what encouraged me is that I knew I didn't have to entirely dominate the market in order to build something meaningful. It wasn't like I had to make, you know, AWeber go out of business in order for us to be successful. What I knew is that the email marketing space is incredibly competitive. I think you know, Pat, you and I could spend a couple minutes and probably name off 20 email marketing companies yeah. that, you know, that make over a million dollars a year. There's just a ton of them. So I knew that if we picked an audience and we could serve them, you know, better than anyone else, that uh, we could build a great business. It, you know, wouldn't have to necessarily get to hundreds of employees and go to an IPO or something like that. Mm-hmm. We could build a great business just serving one audience. And so I guess those two si- two things really attracted me. I wanted to build a meaningful company. I wanted the predictable revenue from you know people paying a monthly subscription. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really wanted the challenge. You yeah. know? <laughs> I've always thought about it and I want to know, you know, could I do it? 
Yeah, and you are doing it. And, you know, for those of you out there who don't know, I'm using ConvertKit right now. And um, you can find it at smartpassiveincome.com slash ConvertKit. It's incredibly easy to use, which is what I love the most about it. But it still has a lot of those advanced features that one might want to attempt to get to use on uh, tools like Infusionsoft and Entreport and some of these other bigger ones that, quite honestly, when I was using them, they were way overwhelming and they were way too difficult for me to understand and, um, you know, I know a lot of people who use them and love them and I wanted to love them too. I just, it just, it wasn't working out for me. So it just came to be perfect timing between you and I and Nathan with ConvertKit coming out at the time at which I was switching and trying to find something new. And, uh, there'll be a video out that shows people what ConvertKit looks like in case you're interested so you can see, see how it is. But this isn't a pitch for ConvertKit. This is, uh, let's look and examine the email marketing industry and actually talk about what is going on here in terms of what's working, what's not working for people. So you came, this is a really interesting case here because everybody think about it. Nathan wasn't involved in the email marketing space besides being a user. So he's been a user for so long. He was, he was on MailChimp and then try to explore these other options as well, similar to me. And then here he is building his quote, perfect solution, like his dream email service provider. So can you tell us what are, what, what are those things that you wanted to include in ConvertKit? What are the kind of the the USP, if you will, the unique selling proposition behind ConvertKit. Yes, it's for professional bloggers, but what does that mean in terms of the tools and the functionality of it? Yeah, so the core idea is that you want to grow a very large audience and you want to be able to interact with them and sell products to them and um, you know just keep track of all their activity in a way that makes sense without getting really, really complicated. So for me, switching off of Mailchimp, there there were a handful of things that I wanted. You know, I really did. I hated duplicate subscribers. You know, you have multiple lists, and uh, each person should be treated as one person. You know, and then all their data about them, rather than being being treated as a different person on each list. So that's one thing. Another thing is, you know, I learned another best practice of you should give out an ebook in order to or a guide or a video or something in order to get people to opt in because that's a more compelling call to action than join my newsletter, you know? Right. And so that would be really hard to do in most tools. you know, once uh, lead pages came out with their lead boxes, that made it easier, but then you're still having to do it in, in an outside tool. Um, and so I wanted to make it really easy, you know, to have a bunch of opt-in forms and then have them all dump people on the same list with, you know, really intuitive segmentation without much setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that email should do is it should give you some really great stats just by default. So I like to ask people if they're just using a straight MailChimp, you know, I say, hey, that opt-in form on your homepage, uh, what's the conversion rate on it? And they always, you know, it's something like, oh, that's an easy question. I should know that. And, so you start, and they realize, oh, wait, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not using you know, some other plugin for it or anything like that, you have to set up goals in Google Analytics. And even though you want that data, it's just not worth doing the work to do it. And so it was really important to me that ConvertKit gave me the exact data I wanted just by default without any setup as far as conversion rates and where, you know, uh, subscribers came from and and that kind of thing. Right, right. Now, I, I love this kind of journey that you're taking here in terms of figuring out the problems in an industry, which is what we all have to do, right? We all have to figure out what the problems are, people's pain points are, and then provide that solution. And here you are doing that in the email marketing space. What were some of the tactics that you used to be able to figure out 
what it is that people needed because obviously you come at it in your own mind with certain things that you know need to change but also how were you able to figure this out and also validate those ideas were you reaching out to other people and talking to them and things like that yeah so the first thing that i did was i built it for me because i knew that if i if i had these problems trying to build you know, I think it's the journey that a lot of your listeners are on is, you know, the journey to a six figure blog. And if I had all these problems trying to, you know, on that journey, then other people would as well. And so I knew that if it was useful to me, it'd be useful to more people. And that's actually something that I encourage people to do with their writing. You know, if you're writing blog posts or any of that, write it for one person, because if it's truly useful for that one person, then it'll be useful for so many more. But if you're you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to build this for the masses. This is for everybody. If you're doing that with your writing, it's going to be really generic. It's going to be boring. And it's the same thing with software. If you build it for everybody, it's not going to serve anyone particularly well. So it helped that I was a, you know, I was building it for myself. But like you said, we need to validate it because obviously I want more customers than just me. So <laughs> I went about just asking for pre-sales. What does that mean? I wrote out 10 people that I thought, might have similar problems to me. And I, you know, emailed them, messaged them on Twitter and said, Hey, uh, I have something that I'm thinking about working on. Can I ask you some questions about it to see if you'd be interested? And they said, sure. And I got on the phone or Skype with each of them and uh, just walked through that process. Hey, this is what I'm thinking about building. Is this a, a problem that you have? Um, and then kind of went through that. And, you know, in all of the cases, they were having that problem and they were, you know, they were frustrated by how hard it was to set up follow up emails or, or trip campaigns. And so then at each stage, as they expressed interest, I, I just say, well, is this something you would buy? And they'd say, ah, yes, absolutely. And so then we get to a price. How much would you pay for it? And they'd be like, ah, $50 a month or $200 a month, depending on where they were at. And I actually went all the way through to asking, like getting an exact price. The mistake I made was that I didn't ask for money right then. Doing it again, I would actually ask for money because that's when the real feedback comes out is when you ask someone, okay, great. Uh, you know, I have a Gumroad checkout page right here. Uh, <laughs> you know, will you pre-order it for uh, 50 bucks or something? Mm -hmm. um, and that's when the real feedback would come out. I ended up getting it a couple weeks later when I followed up. So you actually did ask people for money before it was completely built out. I did. And um, a bunch of those initial people didn't follow through. And, and didn't pay for various reasons. They needed, you know, advanced functionality that we were just weren't going to be able to build initially, stuff like that. But I, I talked to a bunch more people and we ended up having about, I think, 25 people pre-order for between $100 and $500 per person. Uh, and so we came up with about, I think it was $4,500 worth of pre-orders from that initial group. And then, I, you know, I used that plus a little bit of money that I invested to start building. So what was it like to know that people were willing to pay for this? Did that light the fire under you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's because there's always this doubt in your mind. If you're, if you're working on your own, building this thing that you think is going to be awesome, you always wonder, are other people going to like this, this as well? And you, especially when you realize that they have to really like it in order to switch off of what they're doing now. Right. It's not some brand new category. It's not like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I'll buy it. Uh, it's they have to like it enough to switch off of something that they use and trust right now. 
Now you had asked me out to go. That sounds weird. You'd ask me out. Uh, you you would ask me out to coffee. Uh, one time during my transition from AWeber to Infusionsoft. And you, you had asked some really great questions to me there. I think these it might be useful if you can recall those questions to kind of share them here with everybody. Because this again, we're, we're sort of talking about uh, idea extraction, talking about your idea to other people. One of the best things you can do, no matter where you're at with your idea, is to talk about it with other people. That's how you can get, like Nathan said, that honest feedback. Even if you're in the beginning stages, just talk about it. And a lot of, a lot of times, like... Nathan, let me ask you first before you get to that. Were were there any moments at any time when you were doing your research here that you were like, I don't want I don't want to give people this idea. You know, I think the the idea of of niching down a piece of software, there might be some software that tries to serve everybody and finding a specific space that could use that software and really nailing it down for them. It's a great strategy. It's obviously working for me and a lot of other people who are on ConvertKit right now, you know, for professional bloggers and people who want to sell digital products, so on and so forth. I think that's a great strategy, but did you ever feel at risk by sharing your idea and talking about what you were up to? No, I didn't, though I know that's something that a lot of people have. Um, the reason that I didn't is being a designer and developer and working in software, I'd had that pitch a whole bunch of times where people say, hey, I have this idea, just sign this you know, non-disclosure agreement right, and I'll right. tell you. You know, and then the idea would be like, okay, I'm going to build the next Facebook, but it's going to be, you know, whatever, for dogs. Um, <laughs> and I, I'd, I'd had enough of those pitches said to me of people who way overvalued the idea and way undervalued the execution mm-hmm. um, that I knew not to make that same mistake because I came at it at, from the perspective of a person who could actually do the work to build the, to build the tool. I will give a, a quick plug to a blog post by Derek Sivers. Um, and it's just that ideas are a multiplier of execution. And if you Google that, it will cure you of ever thinking in that way that you need to, uh, you know, get someone to sign a non-disclosure agreement to tell them an, an idea for a startup that you haven't even started working on yet. Oh, cool. I'll check that out. Thank you. Now, when g- going back to our coffee date, if you will, you know, you'd ask me some really great questions. Do you remember what those what that conversation was like? Well, I had somewhere I was trying to get you to take your business in a different direction unrelated to ConvertKit. <laughs> but separately from that, um, <laughs> I think, let's see. Because in that conversation, I we had already established, I didn't think you would switch off of Infusionsoft, actually. And so I was asking you questions as far as your audience, like the needs of your audience and whether it would make sense uh, for you to promote ConvertKit as something better, that, you know, better suited than Aweber for your audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I thought was really interesting about that conversation because you knew I had just gotten on Infusionsoft and there was no any, I mean, once you had sort of just jokingly said, oh, well, come come to our team. And I was like, ah, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll talk about it later because I'm on Infusionsoft now. And then you kind of left that behind. But then you started to dig in deeper with my audience and trying to discover what it is their pains were. You also talked about, well, in an ideal world, you you, you would say this, how, what what, is, what would the migration from one platform be like to another if you just had a magic wand and you can make it happen the way you want and and i had told you oh well i you know i'd obviously want migration to be super easy right now i'm doing it with infusionsoft and it has been a little bit of a headache and i feel like a great company would help me out a little bit more or maybe just make it instant maybe some button i could just click hey bring all your aweber subscribers over to ConvertKit. that would be that would be awesome and then you had talked about something like that with Mm -hmm. 
ConvertKit, which is really interesting. And I, I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. You are somebody who's coming from the blogging space, who is in our position, who understands this, who's now developing something, which is, again, why I'm so excited about this. And I can tell you all the conversion rates on all every single form on my site right now. Again, just stuff that I want to know. That, that you have built for us. But in terms of, you know, those, again, just digging deeper and asking questions, you were not in any way invasive, yet you were probably getting a lot of good information to help you moving forward with your software product, right? Yeah, and actually, um, we should definitely give a plug here to Dane Maxwell, because I learned a lot from him as far as idea extraction and just asking questions and then genuinely listening to the answers. And it helps, like in the in the case that you referenced, you know, of, what should that switch look like? You know, and you lay it out, and then it's easy for me to say exactly. I think the same thing. It should be, you know, super easy for the customer because we'd encountered that with all of our customers. They're like, "I love what you're doing, but it's way too painful to switch." Mm-hmm. And I can say, "Oh, it's not that painful. Trust me." But that's not very convincing. If I, but instead, if I say, "It's not very painful," and I'll prove it to you by doing it for you. You know, right. and and saying, you know, and then I outline that you know we have this concierge migration where. You know, if you're on any of our larger plans, then, you know, we'll do the whole switch for you. And so that having you think through that first and then saying, yes, we do that. Or having you basically having you come up with it and then pointing out that, yes, we solve that problem. Yeah, it's really powerful. And it's huge. Anyone doing sales of any kind, because that's that's really, you know, we were just having having coffee and, and catching up and all that. But that's what good sales are like the people who do sales effectively are just, they're talking with friends and they're um, just building relationships. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't come across as, you know, weird sleazy sales or anything. Right. But it just comes down to asking questions. Hey, what problems do you have? And then trying to come up with a solution. Yeah. And it was really funny because I obviously I'm very familiar with Dane Maxwell. He was on the show uh, several times in the past. Episode 46 is still one of the highest download podcasts of the Smart Passive Income Archive. And in that, he actually gives us specific questions that we can ask for idea extraction. He gives us a, he runs through an example with us and talks about all that stuff. And it, it's amazing whether you're doing software or trying to figure out what business to create or how to brand yourself or a, any of that stuff. These questions are useful. So yes, absolutely. You got to sit down and have questions or have a, you know, just a conversation with people in your audience or people who are in the same space as you. You're going to find out so much golden information that you would never know from even conducting a thorough survey. Surveys are, are, I feel, sort of level one answers to certain questions or maybe even level two, but that's it. Then it's when you start asking, well, how come or why or what what would be better actually if you know and you never know what those questions are going to be until you have those conversations so i think it was really smart and the reason why i wanted to bring this up was i think it was really smart for you to ask me out for coffee and and talk to this about me and even though you weren't selling me anything you were still able to get a lot of great information to help you build your software in a better way yep the the two questions that i got from dane that were the most useful were not the initial questions that you asked but just how much he emphasized saying what else and tell me more. Mm-hmm. Because I was in, you know, I, I would ask that first question and then my instinct would be like to take a note and then move on to the next question. But all the good stuff comes after asking, you know, after diving deeper. Nice. Now, what were some of the challenges for you getting started? I know a lot of us are in startup mode, whether we're doing software like yourself or building a brand or content marketing or whatever. What are some of the challenges that you that you have been facing um, from starting this company? There have been a huge number of challenges. <laughs> um, 
I think well, I'll just say that I I terribly underestimated the amount of work it would be uh, to build this company, and and the amount of work it would be to sell software versus selling books or courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest challenges are just how much infrastructure and you know how much how many features and how much code has to be written just until you're playing on the same level as the other big providers. So that's one. But really the like I, I I knew that one was coming and I knew how to deal with it. The biggest one was just convincing people that we're a serious player in the market. Especially when it's really early on and you know you have 20 customers or 30 customers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're all small. Like it's a big deal to uh, to get people to switch. And so you really you need people to take a chance on you early on. How do you get people to do that? Uh, building relationships is a big part of it. Um, and then I would say being really honest with people and saying, mm-hmm. you know, don't promise everything. Tell them what your dream is and what your vision is so they can buy into that and they can want you to be successful. But then also tell them, hey, when you switch over, things are going to go wrong. We are not going to be perfect. You don't even have to say that their other provider isn't perfect because they know that, you know. <laughs> but but then you just say, but we're going to do our best to make you successful. We're going to go above and beyond. If you run into problems, you don't have to write into support. You know, you can you can give me a call. You know, as you're trying to get these big accounts early on, you're trying to get people to take a chance and just be super upfront with you. And then I would also say, um, lay out the downside. Or, or not the downside, um, the, like, if everything goes wrong, here's the worst case scenario, basically. Okay. And that would just be, here's what it would look like if after 30 days you had to switch back to your other provider. So one person that has been absolutely amazing through all of this is Joel Runyon. He runs uh, ImpossibleHQ.com mm-hmm. and Ultimate Paleo Guide. Joel switched to us really early on and... He just he took a big chance on us, and I think we let him down at times. But you know, we also helped him in in as many ways as possible. And so, I gotta say thank you to him and to you know, there's a bunch of other early customers that uh, once they started to switch, it just kind of leveraged, you know, it started to snowball from there. Where people would say, you know, yeah, I, can, I don't know if you can handle my list of, you know, they'd say it with like ten thousand subscribers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to say, yeah, we can, of course. But it's another to say, hey, we have this other customer who has 150,000 subscribers. I think we can handle what you're doing. (laughs) One other thing that impressed me about ConvertKit, and I think this is something that everybody can learn from, especially people in the software space, is that you are doing your best as well to educate your customers, Um, not just in terms of using ConvertKit, which, like I said, is very easy to use, but in terms of how to succeed with email marketing, like Gumroad does a very good job of this too. They have education built in throughout Gumroad in terms of how to sell better and marketing strategies and all these things that they don't have to do because they're a, just a provider of a shopping cart and a digital delivery service, you know, digital product delivery service. And that's essentially it when it comes down to it. But there's so much more than that. And they're able to build even stronger relationships by educating people. And here's the kicker. And this is what you told me. And I was like, yes, it's so genius. I need to do this too when I get into software, which I have been doing now, um, which is want your want your customers to succeed. 
you know, mm-hmm. not just get them into the line of where they're paying and that's it. You got to, you know, obviously if you're getting recurring income as well, you want them to stay around as long as possible. But beyond that, they're going to want to share you with everybody if you are educating them and making them better and sharing more results. And for a business model like yours, which is like a lot of other software, it, you know, the more successful they are, the more successful you as a company are as well. Yeah. And you just have to look at it. The people don't want to buy a particular tool or they don't want, you know, the best email marketing software or anything like that. They want a particular result and you can accomplish that result with software, you know, with a plugin, with, you know, a bunch of things, or you can accomplish it with training. You know, they, they want to grow their audience and they want to sell more products. And so we want to do everything to help them get to that point. And that means, you know, a combination of software and training. And, uh, I guess you just, you have to look at how you can help your customers be successful and then be open to whatever form that may take. Mm-hmm. I think it's very smart. And I know there are a lot of software companies out there that could potentially benefit from that strategy. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, podcast hosts, for example, I mean, you get in the door, then it's kind of, that's it until you have to pay again next month where they could probably do a lot better educating an audience as well. Um, they definitely could, you know, so, someone should do that. Yeah. Somebody should do that. <laughs> um, but you know, let, let's talk a little bit more about some of the big mistakes that people make with email marketing. So you've been running ConvertKit for uh, a, a number of months now. Uh, how, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Wow. So this has been a long journey for you. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's a long process. And I love the long-term game here because things are, I feel like they're starting to finally pick up for you. Yeah. So we had a long time building out the platform, supporting a small number of customers. And, uh, and really it's been the last eight or nine months that, you know, made the decision to go full time on it. I invested $50,000, January 1st of this year, hired a bigger team and, and, and scaled up. So, so yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride this last couple, uh, this last really six or eight months in particular. What, and how's the growth rate been for you guys, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, all the numbers are public. Actually, if you want to know everything about ConvertKit, uh, you can go to the blog, ConvertKit.com, and, and I write a monthly report there. Um, love it. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I figured you would. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then also, if you want to go to ConvertKit.BearMetrics.com, you can see all of our metrics. You can look at our exact churn rate. You can look at our growth. You can see basically all the analytics that I have on the business, I've made public. and you can, So if you want to see what it was like to have a business that wasn't succeeding for over a year. And then what I bet if you look at those graphs, you can find the exact month that I went full time on ConvertKit. Um, but since then we've grown 20% every single month. And then in July we grew 48%. Wow. So it is taking off. What would you attribute that takeoff for besides you obviously putting more effort and money into it at the beginning of the year, but what else has been really helping you uh, grow? Um, I would say that full-time focus is the driver for all of that. Uh, If you're trying to get people to take your product seriously, then you need to be taking it seriously and giving it all your attention. And so once, you know, once I made that and I think there were all these people on the sidelines, people like Joel Runyon who were interested in what I was doing, but before I was working on it full-time, they're not going to, they're not going to take a risk and switch to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so once I started working on it full time, then things can start to snowball. And then you get people who use it and love it. And it, and then it goes from there. I think if I was still doing this as a side project, like I was 
you know, a little over a year ago. I mean, Pat, you certainly wouldn't have switched. You're not going to no. switch to something that someone's running as a side project. No. But once, um, you know, once all this starts to happen and, and you could see that someone's giving it, you know, more than a hundred percent, then it makes you want to be a part of that. Yeah. And this, this bear metrics convert kit dot bear metrics, B A R E dot com is really interesting. You can even see a live stream of new customers, not their names, but just the fact that, you know, when you get paid and all that stuff, that's, that's really, really cool to see, but also really scary. Why would you do that as a company owner? I think there, well, the biggest thing is I wanted to tell a story. I've seen far too many people talk about their startups that were a wild success, you know, Mm -hmm. and they, they just say, oh, we, we launched and then we did X, Y, and Z. And then there we go. We were on our way to selling for, you know, $50 million, you know? Yeah. And you're like, how do you relate to that? And if you're in the position that I was in of you have this thing that's kind of working, but it's not that big of a success. Should you double down on it? And should you really focus on it? Or or what do you do, you know? Mm. And so I knew that I was going to turn this around. And so I wanted to tell the story of, of turning a side project into a full-time gig. And I wanted to show that growth. And I didn't want to tell like a, a doctored version of it where like I could, I could screenshot you know, maybe just the, uh, from October of last year until now and be like, look, we launched and all this amazing growth happened. But what I want you to see is the year and a half before that of the hard work as well, where nothing happened. Because I think there are so many people out there that need to put that hard work into their products to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But all they see, you know, on Twitter is these overnight successes. And so I want to show something that's not an overnight success. It's just pretty much hard work. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm looking at the numbers right here. I'm going to explore this even more now. And I just think it's really cool of you to do that. And I think it just makes you a real person. And now when people, if they do switch over, can really relate to where they're at and be a part of that story with you. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this and are like, oh my gosh, but you're actually you know, investing your time and money into this company that's just starting out. And I totally understand where you're coming from. And I had to ask myself those same questions. But then I had to also remember that I've known you for quite a while. I know what kind of work you do and the dedication you have for the things that you put your time into. And, you know, getting to know ConvertKit and your plans for it even more. I'm just very excited about it. And plus, it's just a great product overall. And again, I'm I, I don't want this to seem like a pitch for it, but I love that the fact that we, we are telling a story here and I think it's very admirable uh, for you to be very open with your numbers like this. And this is how companies like Buffer have done so well too with being fully transparent. This is how I've been able to grow and build real relationships with people too because now you're not just getting customers, you're getting people. And I think that's where a lot of email marketing has gone wrong over the past number of years is that the people who are on the other end of those emails have been treated just like customers. And that's, that's the problem. And, and when you take the time to treat them like the actual people that they are and know that there's real people who are building their lists, who are struggling as entrepreneurs, who are growing as entrepreneurs, then you, you can serve them in a much better way that will have them stick around for longer. Yep. Absolutely. 
So Nathan, this has been a great conversation and I'm very happy to introduce ConvertKit to everybody. I understand if you're not ready to move yet and it might not even be the right tool for you. Again, Infusionsoft is one of the most amazing tools out there, but it just wasn't for me. And so I know I'm just kind of trying to introduce other tools that are available to you and I've explored this one very much. I'm using it full time now and I'm enjoying it very much. And uh, people are segmented in my audience and going through different courses in there and they are also being tagged appropriately as well so I can better serve them in the future too. And that was my primary goal. So the big question for everybody out there is what is your primary goal with your email list? And if it's just to collect a single email list to mention when you come out with the next blog post, then you know there are, there are a lot of tools that can do that. And so uh, again, just introducing all these tools to you. This will be on the resource page after this episode goes live. And uh, Nathan, any, any other words of advice out there for anybody else starting something? And the journey just seems to be very long and maybe too long for them at this point. Yeah, I would just say, um, well, I'll tell you what went through my head when I was trying to decide whether or not to double down on ConvertKit and invest a bunch of money and, you know, bet everything on it or shut it down. Cause there was a point in, in the journey where I was trying to make that decision. And so I would just ask yourself, honestly, have you truly given this, this your best effort as far as to grow it and make it succeed? And if you haven't, then then do that. You owe it to the product that you're trying to create. And then also, you know, just just look at are, are there other opportunities in front of you that you haven't uh, haven't you know uh, gone through yet, and, and that you could still pursue. And the answer for me was that I hadn't given ConvertKit you know every possible effort, and so I needed to do that. Um, and then you know I could pursue other things as far as like and picking the perfect niche for ConvertKit and really marketing it better. Um, so that that's what I would do when you're considering growing a product. But also all those stories that you're looking at and, you, you know, those blog posts about companies doing ridiculous revenue, I would look at uh, the time before that. You know, they're always going to show a pretty chart. Mm-hmm. So what do the three years before that look like? It may be that they just launched that product, but what were all the things they learned on, you know, five previous products. You know, always look for what happened in the two years before the overnight success. Right, like Angry Birds being the 50-second game that Rovio created um, and so on and so forth. Uh, Cool, Nathan, thank you so much. I think this is going to be very inspirational and I think it might be a much-needed episode for a lot of people to hear. And again, thank you for being fully honest and transparent with uh, what it is that you do. And I look forward to continue working with you in the future, Nathan, and uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Pat. I appreciate you. Thanks. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Nathan Barry. It's so cool to hear how he's progressed from you know, publisher to now software developer and all the, everything he's going through. And again, I think it's really cool that he's being very authentic and upfront with where ConvertKit is at. And it is still very new. And I know a lot of you who are not early adopters with things might not wanna get with it yet, but it is growing every single day. They're adding new features. And actually that website at bearmetrics.com just shows you the, the, traje- the trajectory. Uh, if you go to uh, convertkit.bearmetrics.com, that's B-A-R-E metrics.com, you will see exactly, it shows you in graph form and very specific numbers, how much he's making every single month with that, uh, what his churn rate is, how many refunds he's giving. I mean, even there's a little feed on the right-hand side of this tool, uh, Bare Metrics, that shows you how, like, how many people signed on today. I mean, it's really, really interesting and very, very transparent. I love that. And you can see, again, it's growing at a very, very fast pace. And I'm really excited to see where ConvertKit lands in the future. Uh, and you know, I am at the point now where I've used it enough where I trust it 
and I can recommend it and I use it. It has helped me so much with my email segmentation and um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just insane how easy it is to use and that's actually Nathan's specialty. It's, it's the user interface and design. So if you wanna check it out, my affiliate link, I do get a commission if you go through this link and I appreciate it in advance. That is smartpassiveincome.com slash convert kit. Uh, price, prices are very similar to other email service providers, but it offers so much more. Uh, again, smartpassiveincome.com slash convert kit. You go, uh, go ahead and check it out there. I also want to uh, mention that the show notes and all the links available for this episode are at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 185. Guys, I've, I've really been enjoying this podcast and I will continue to do it in the future for you. I know a lot of you have taken the information that I've shared here, the interviews that we've done uh, with other experts and other people and, and have actually taken action with it. And I just love you for that. I, I'm so thankful that I have an audience who uh, is actually not just learning, but learning and putting things into place to make change in their lives and the lives of others too. I mean, we're all here to serve other people, I hope. Um, but I know a lot of you also need a little bit more help. Uh, I've been getting messages left and right from people who have been asking for more and, and deeper information about certain things. So what I've done is that I've actually put together a number of courses, and there's more courses coming in the future, thanks to your recommendations. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses, you'll see a list of the courses that are currently available there or that you can sign up for the wait list for. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. Check it out. I also wanna give a big shout out to another sponsor, Athletic Greens. This is a sponsor that I first heard on Tim Ferriss' podcast. I actually got hooked up with their product after listening to them on his show, and now I'm in love with it, and I have it every single day. It's a supplement. They call it a premium superfood cocktail, and you know, a lot of these supplements and powders and stuff, uh, it's, it's not for making you stronger or bulker or anything like that. It's just, it literally gives me energy throughout the entire day. It's 100% natural, and it actually tastes really, really good. It's how I can start off the day off um, inside my Miracle Morning just and know that I'm gonna have what I need to get through the day and actually just crush whatever it is I'm gonna do. So if you wanna check it out, you can actually get it for 50% off for a limited time only if you go to athleticgreens.com slash pat. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash pat. You can check it out, see what other people have to say about it. It's awesome. Again, athleticgreens.com slash pat. Thank you so much for listening in today. And again, I appreciate you uh, spending time with me today, me and Nathan and ConvertKit can't wait to see where it goes, and I wish you all the best, and I look forward to serving you next week and next month where we talk about affiliate marketing. And um, you know we've talked about affiliate marketing in the past, but I'm bringing it back. We're gonna talk in more detail about it because not enough people are using affiliate marketing in their business, and I'm gonna give you some information on what you can do to succeed as a successful affiliate marketer no matter what niche you're in. So look out for that next week. Until then, thank you so much. I look forward to hearing what you think. Again, the show notes are at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 185. Cheers, and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. 
These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it. 